1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's Craig Collins Show. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, hangs out with me every Tuesday, um, uh, very kindly every Tuesday, because he's a friend of mine and a professional broadcaster, and he's willing to be here. Uh, thank you for being here, Mark. Uh, I want to play some audio from the Today Show from February, early March of this year. The reason I want to play this audio, I'm going to tell you the audience, going to let you in on the secret, let you in on the reason why, is that I think for a lot of people on a certain side of the political aisle, let's call that the left, things like the Today Show share definitively true information. If you're on the right, you don't think the same thing. But the Today Show is going to make some of the arguments that Mark and I are probably going to make differently than they make them. And they made this um, you know, public back in, like I said, maybe late February, early March, about a new study that had come out that had demonstrated heart risk after uh, COVID and after COVID vaccines. This is their words before we uh, throw any of our words out there. So anyone that thinks that Mark and I are going to be far right crazy people uh, with what we say, I want this to be the barometer uh, to where we go so that you know, whoever you are, right or left, that that uh, outlet or maybe multiple outlets are saying things they are at least in the similar shade of what I think that Mark and I will talk about. Here we go. A national study from Cedars-Sinai Hospital shows that deaths related to heart attacks increased across every age group since the spring of 2020. But the group that saw the biggest increase isn't who you might think. Young people are obviously not really supposed to die of heart attack. But the relative increase in heart attack... By the way, just real quick, I'm going to stop it there. Great ad by that doctor. Young people are not supposed to die of heart attack. The answer to that, Mark, would be yes. They are not supposed to die of heart attack. Here we go. But the relative increase in heart attack-associated deaths among 25 to 44-year-olds was a staggering 30% more than the increase in middle and older age groups, which ranged between 15 and 20%. Experts are still working to figure out why young people are so impacted. But Dr. Chang says it may be related to higher viral load exposure or an excess immune response in stronger immune systems. All right, I want to stop it right there, and then we're going to get back to the last little part of the Today Show. Again, this is months ago. This isn't in reaction to the Bronnie James story today or anything else. Uh, That second uh, thing they mentioned is just something I would like to see more studies on because what they're referencing, and please, someone in the medical community, correct my pronunciation if I get this wrong, a cytokine storm or a storm that is your immune system overreacting to any sort of illness you have, uh, more likely in young people than than, uh, people that are not in their, say, 20s and 30s um, or even younger than that. And 309-340-4464 is the phone number, 309-340-4464. All of those things that the Today Show is talking about in the world of the COVID um, illness itself are also true of the COVID vaccine. They do cause myocarditis, which I'll play more audio from them in a second, saying the same, uh, that does cause uh, potential for a cytokine storm. Uh, It causes a lot of, of potential fallout. And so the simple question, I'll ask it again, and Mark, I'll let you say whatever you want on the issue, is, is it possible that every single infection and or shot of vaccine caused potential heart illness for maybe more people or more uh, myocarditis risk, all of those things. And I'll just say this, I'll just add this. In the case of just the vaccine, more doses made you more likely to have those adverse reactions. So they've already seen that to be true in the case of COVID. I don't know why we won't combine, or at least I haven't seen data that combines, people who got COVID and who got COVID vaccines and their risk compared to those who say just had COVID or maybe just had the vaccine. Although again, I think at this point, probably everyone had COVID, even people who don't know they had it. 
But, Mark, what do you say to that? Well, I think what you're saying is that the vaccine created a double whammy. I think it could have created – this is just a, a layman, not medical guy's assumption based on the things I've read – could have created an increasing risk of potential problems in the world of damage. The other thing that I've seen about myocarditis specifically is it's typically temporary, but the more times you, you deal with inflammation in your heart, the more long-term damage you're doing to your heart. So, again, it's just a simple question. Bronny James, 18 years old, heart attack. Uh, he's not the first big, giant name uh, athlete person to have something like this happen. Demar Hamlin from earlier this year comes to mind as one. Uh, the Today Show references a a college women's basketball player. Uh, but I just simply wonder if we know what potential damage could have been done to continued immune system responses to COVID or the COVID vaccine, and if that could create long-term damage. Yeah. You know, another thing that I would like to see, and actually there there are studies that have been done independently. I, I would encourage everybody to look at, some of the findings, and I've talked about these people before, uh, that Dr. Peter McCullough has revealed, uh, Edward Dowd, who used to be an administrator, I don't know if he was a vice president at BlackRock, who's no longer in the investment world, but he's done a lot of looking at data with regard to deaths, vaccines, and the rates of of deaths of people who were not vaccinated. Uh, Steve Kirsch, he has a substack. His last name, I believe, is spelled K-I-R-S-C-H. I think there's a C in there. You, you can check both. But he has done incredible research into uh, the numbers on vaccines and adverse events and i would just i would just say if people would look at some of that stuff and it's out there it's just it's just sort of being suppressed but it's it's made its way around steve kirsch has been doing this work for almost two years now um you're going to get some really interesting information that will allow you to form your own opinion on this but um just to get back to what you were saying mm -hmm. I agree with you that that is not only a possibility, but a distinct possibility that the exact worst thing that could have been done to somebody who had COVID was to put that back into them through a vaccine. Yeah, I mean, early on, anyone probably remembers this. I assume people remember this. We were being told that getting the COVID vaccine made you unlikely to get COVID. Uh, that was the big reason that people, including our president, said that it was doing something. One of something hundreds of things that we were told that turned out to, to be, be absolutely the opposite right, of yeah. what was true. It's not true, um, but it was something we were told often. Our president said that it was your duty to do it to protect others, because if you didn't get COVID, then, of course, you couldn't give COVID to others. Uh, that was not true. The vaccine did not protect you from COVID. You could still get coronavirus, and you could still transmit it to other people. You can look that up. That's not a far-right, opinion-y thing for anyone that's still uh, listening and upset at their, at their uh, radio. 
video that's a verified fact uh, that's out there, and, and the doctors have all admitted that. I want to play a little bit more of the, the Today Show audio. And the reason I'm playing this, by the way, is this was a lull period. I think the DeMar Hamlin thing had happened in January, and so that story had cooled as far as media coverage of it. And so late February, early March, Today Show does a story where they're reacting to a study that says you are more likely to have heart inflammation, more likely to potentially die of a heart attack, especially young people, 30% increase over the last few years. Um, and actually, the, the increase continued to go up. So it went up that first year when we just had COVID and no COVID vaccines, and then it continued on its trajectory toward what, a 30% increase. I have increase. a question before, you, before sure. you play the rest of this. Yeah. I just want to throw this out there. What I would like to see, and I don't know if – I can't be the only one who's thought of this. I would like to see – a study that compares the rate of heart events and myocarditis in young people mm-hmm. who were and were not vaccinated and compare the two. Mm-hmm. Because if one is different than the other, well, that's going to tell you something. All I'll say, the only thing I've seen, and I, I agree with you, that we should have a study that's like that if we don't have one. And if there's one out there, point what us to it. What if there was one and they have just not shown it to well, us? Well, the thing that people often say in this is the odds of having uh, myocarditis or heart inflammation or any sort of negative heart uh, thing was much higher if you got COVID than if you got the COVID vaccine. That's usually the response. It's like 20 to 30 cases per 100,000 with the vaccine and 50 to 60 cases, I think something like that. And I might be getting that number wrong, too. But it, it was something significant. But again, I wonder if you can get reinfected with this and that the reinfection causes potential for more uh, bad things. If you have a heart risk every time you get a vaccine or you get a COVID, and I know it's the question I just asked a second ago, were you increasing your chances of harming yourself and especially long-term and especially in the age group that we were not told for a while I was as significantly impacted as they are. Many, many studies, peer-reviewed, all the things that people say they need to be, have come out that said young men particularly uh, wound up more um, at risk than any other group. And young men uh, goes into your mid-40s, but other groups at risk too. Here's a little bit more of the Today Show. Again, in a lull period, as far as the news coverage of this goes, where they're sort of sneaking this past the goalie, in my opinion. Studies show COVID-19 is also linked to a rare condition called myocarditis the inflammation of the heart muscle itself. It can strike even young, healthy students like Demi Washington, now a senior on the women's basketball team at Vanderbilt University. I just immediately started crying. After Washington came down with what felt like a mild case of COVID in late 2020, an MRI revealed unseen damage and stopped her from playing. And the fact that I could have played is kind of you know, hard and scary to think about. I will stop it there, too. She winds up uh, getting better and playing again. Uh, but that was just a, an MRI um, from a, I, as they describe it, mild case of COVID, which, again, is what the vaccine gave you. It gave you very mild, if any, symptoms at all. And then you got over it. Um, I think the mRNA vaccines are uniquely uh, different. And this is, again, layman term a guy speaking with the little information I've gained than other vaccines. So sometimes when you talk about how a vaccine, like a flu shot, Uh, makes you less likely to get the flu because it gives you a mild form of it. I think we misunderstand exactly how significant that risk was in the case of these newer 
mRNA COVID uh, things and also the amount of risk, you know, each time your body deals with it. So I, I just I can't get over the fact that there was a Today Show uh, study uh, or conversation about how myocarditis, all these things are risks. Granted, they keep pointing to COVID, not necessarily the COVID vaccine. Uh, but you have Bronnie James, uh, 18 years old, have a heart attack and get rushed to the hospital uh, all over the news because he's famous, because uh, his dad is famous, uh, but not the only case like this. And the Today Show admits itself uh, that these cases spiked significantly, 30% more uh, cases like this in just the last few years. So all those things are, are definitively true, even if you're on the left or on the right or wherever you're at in this conversation, uh, because the the left-leaning or, or whatever you want to call it, legacy media, has confirmed these things themselves. Um, so uh, before I break, is there anything else you want to say no, about this, No, I think, you know, I think you're making some very interesting points that are forcing people to think. It would be nice to get more information about this and to not be an idiot on the radio guessing about this stuff, but it, it's hard to ignore uh, Bronnie James or any of those other stories and think, wow, there's no way. Because the, the immediate reaction is far-right fringes uh, start to uh, yell about potential for vaccine connected to uh, DeMar Hamlin, Bronnie James, anybody. And yet we don't get the information. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, they never really came out and told us. I think eventually they did say it was that um, uh, super unlikely event thing where you get hit in right, just the right spot at just the right millisecond and your brain. Well, what about all those soccer heart- players that are collapsing in Europe that they, nobody's touching them? Well, the thing that was funny about DeMar Hamlin to me, or I don't know if funny is the right word, is they said that that was unlikely to happen via a hit person to person. It usually is like a, a baseball that gets thrown into your body at a much higher, harder, higher velocity than a human can hit you. And so it seemed that some would say it was unlikely for it to be an event like that to begin with. And heart inflammation makes all those things more likely to happen. Um, so it could be a mixture of a lot of stuff. But anyway, uh, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll probably revisit that topic. Um, one of those things that Mark referenced a second ago that you can check out yourself uh, was a peer-reviewed study uh, that did get published in the Lancet and then got removed from the Lancet. Uh, that study is called a systematic review of autopsy findings in deaths after COVID-19 vaccination. And the main person involved in that, Dr. Peter McCullough, is very well respected as a cardiologist. So that's out there if you want to look up some of this information from the medical community. Well, I think didn't that study find that they uh, in in a you know they they took a, a certain number of deaths and they found that 74% of them you'd have to read this cuz i don't want to misconstrue yeah, any of the information I, yeah. but i don't have the exact three number three quarters of them essentially uh were people who had been vaccinated yeah. and 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 there and he and he's attributing it to possibly that mm-hmm. and other researchers, some but of I, which, w- I would definitely go look it up. Yeah, I would be- read it yourself because it, it, it makes sense when well, when you read what they put it, out and there. And it's peer reviewed, and other yes. researchers, including people from uh, Yale, were involved in it. So again, for anyone that thinks that those create um, uh, the qualifications necessary to believe something, uh, that's out there too. Quick break, a lot more. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Mark Strauss, uh, TV guy in the radio, hanging out. I say that because uh, he was on TV for a long time, and he did sports uh, television for a long time. And so a lot of people know him as the TV guy on the radio when you hear him. I want to play some uh, television uh, sports uh, sports call in the world of the Texas Rangers. And I just want your reaction to it, Mark, uh, as a professional, uh, because they're watching a replay over and over again. And the the uh, two guys, um, you know, on the TV broadcast 
are positive that they know what's going to be called. And somehow the review people saw something different. And here was the reaction when they heard the official ruling on what they thought was pretty clearly uh, someone who I believe was safe sliding into home. The ruling on the field stands. The runner. They must have saw the front of that foot actually hit and say that, you know, when it was down, actually say it caught the plate because other than that, I don't see it. Take a look here. You got the right foot of Kyle Tucker. Did it ever touch the plate? Maybe the heel there. The heel would be the one argument I think that would make some sense because it looks like the toe is up. Now there I think they... the heel missed the back of it. I think he's tagged down on the knee. You know what? That might be a missed call. I'm with you on that one. Because from that angle, you can see the heel in the air. They're very upset. That would be outrageous to overturn that, and this place would go crazy. <laughs> but I think the proper call... What was the original call? Uh, the original call was safe, and yeah. I think the, I think, the call, the I, I think call I was I think I saw this, by the yeah. way. Mm -hmm. I think I saw this play. Did mm -hmm. uh, the umpire, if you play that again, did the umpire say the call was confirmed or the call stands? I think that he said the call stands, that, uh, which means... Okay, that means yeah. that they could not tell if his foot was up in the air or not. Right, so they just decided that they couldn't make well, it... That's... Okay, so yeah. it wasn't confirmed, right? and it, obviously it wasn't overturned. It just was too messy for them to Here, sign. Here's, I liked that what went viral about this was that the uh, Texas Rangers announcers were up in arms, because I don't even really hear up in arms. I hear a certain level of disagreement. Well, here, here's the thing. Yes. It's the Texas Rangers, and they're playing the Houston Astros. <laughs> and those two teams, fan bases, yeah. I don't think the teams care, but mm -hmm. the fan bases don't like either team. Yeah, not a fan of each other, sure. So Because the Astros cheated. So. Yeah, so yeah. these are the Rangers announcers. Mm -hmm. And that call allowed the Astros to win the game. Yes. So they were not happy so about they're that. They're just being homers. Right. I love homer broadcasters. Do you like homer broadcasters as a professional broadcaster or no? Not really. Okay. See, I think that's wrong. I, I love the homer broadcaster. Who's the greatest sports broadcaster of all time? From a homer perspective? No, I didn't just... say that. Okay. Um, it's Vin Scully. All right. That's... No, and that's not even arguable. Yeah. And he was not a homer. He was not a homer. That's correct. He was a professional. He did great things. Uh, Santo was a pretty fun guy to listen to well, on he, the radio, though. He, he's a former player. I know. So he was amazing, though, at times when he would be very homer. I think that's a uh, – anyway. Your well... level of homerism is <laughs> – I is, love that phrase. You know, you can yeah. – if you're if if you're a homer, mm -hmm. but you're not an obnoxious – I mean, you have to be realistic. You right. know, if, if your team – if your team stinks – or they blew the game or a play. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you got to be honest to your listeners and your viewers. Eh, well, I don't know about that. I, I don't hate it when they're not honest. Uh, all right. I, that's the only time where that's true for me, by the way, when a sports so you, broadcaster so lies to make me feel so better. So it's okay if they're like the White House press secretary? No. Uh, no and yes. If Because it doesn't matter. The politics has become sports, which I think is a whole thing we get into in the next hour. Uh, they lie to us the same way the athlete does, the same way the, the Homer people do. And I just like it more in sports because that's not actually as important. Uh, you know, that, that world is one I love, but I know it doesn't change the way that our lives work. All right, we'll take a break. We'll do more in a bit. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. Uh, you can find us on the Internet. You can find us on our WMBD app. Uh, you can even tell your smart speaker to play WMBD radio. 1470, uh, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, we're going to dive into a topic where I know Mark and I don't totally agree. Uh, Mark Strauss, uh, TV guy on the radio, hanging out as he does every Wednesday. Uh, and yet there's a lot of things going on right now uh, that make you uh, shake your head and wonder. Uh, so we're definitely going to talk about it, I think, in a way that, that makes sense to a lot of people out there. But let's play. I got a couple pieces of audio 
I think NBC News, and then I think this was also MSNBC. Uh, we're talking about the uh, heat wave, uh, all the problems. Uh, a scientist, uh, other people out there are saying bad things. Uh, I think this is a governor, though, uh, speaking first. So let's play this audio, and then we'll play some other audio, and then we'll talk about how heat uh, is a topic of conversation every day, at least in a lot of news places. And again, the good news is all around my state, uh, I can't turn over a rock without seeing new jobs associated with clean aviation fuel, with new types of batteries. It's very exciting what's going on right now in inventing a new uh, economy. And we're doing that right in Washington State, and people are getting great jobs because of this. So there's two parts to this story. This thing is now the age of consequences. The bomb has gone off. But we do have right. the ability to restrain fossil fuels. The bomb has gone off in the world of climate change is what he's talking about there. And then here, let's play some MSNBC audio and then we'll react. A lot of stuck weather patterns, longer and more oppressive heat waves, days and days on end. Is that another fallout from the burning of fossil fuels? Is that the wildfires, which, you know, is obviously contributed to it? <laughs> yeah, kind I of. mean, it's, it's not rocket science, Andrea. You know, you warm up the planet, you're going to get more frequent and intense heat waves. And we're seeing that. Uh, you warm up the ground, you dry out the soils, you get worse drought. You combine the heat and the drought, you get worse wildfires like we've seen. And of course, So that's an educator from the University of Pennsylvania, Michael Mann. Uh, the other one is a governor at a Washington state. Uh, what is your reaction to uh, people who say that definitively what's what's causing all of our our problems is that the uh, temperature has gone up, uh, which is a, a, a catalyst to all these bad things. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're asking. What, what is your response? I, th I, think they're, I think they're all full of crap. Right. Um, so, um, you know, I, ten years ago, I sat at a White Sox game in Chicago, and it was 102 degrees at first pitch. Okay? Right. I, I was, my legs were sweating like faucets. <laughs> okay, that's in Chicago. Uh -huh. That's ten years ago. Did you do um, uh, I grew up shorts in St. Or did you do By pants? the way, I grew up in St. Louis, yeah. and we're, we don't live that far from St. Louis. It's hot. It was hot like this every summer. Mm -hmm. Up until now, for me, having grown up in that kind of weather, it hasn't been bad at all. Right. We, uh, we're going to get we're going to get one or two weeks where it's really hot. Last year, has everybody forgotten we had a mild summer? We hardly had any weather like yeah, this. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I, no, I, I'll rephrase the question, um, and I, I do agree with a lot Did of what you're saying. Did all the pollutants and carbon take Things. a summer off so, and go on vacation? So what I've seen is a lot of people, and I know that uh, I've heard it on other shows. I know Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins talk about it a lot, uh, where weather itself is not exactly an indicator of the things we're talking about in the world of global warming or anything else. People, people say it is, but then meteorologists say it's not. Uh, but the big claim now is that because the temperature is rising on the planet – and they say that they can demonstrate that and prove that. And it's been rising for years now. Uh, we're having more and more bad weather events. And so that is proof that climate change is real and that we need to do things to stop climate change uh, or otherwise it's going to just continue to get worse. That's the position that's out there a lot in media. And what's your reaction to that position is that um, – because I feel like it mirrors part of what we talked about in the last half hour when we talk about COVID, when we talk about the COVID vaccine, and we talk about an increase in the amount of people who are having heart attacks, especially younger people. Uh, the left or mainstream media is claiming that there's more weather events, and those weather the events key, are caused the by... The key part of what this guy was talking about was at the beginning of that soundbite, where he was talking about they've built this new economy. Yes. Well, that's... Money. Right. <laughs> and that's why they're doing this. It's value. That's yes. And they're trying to convince you of something so that they can create all of these new products 
because everybody has the old products, and if you have the old products, you don't need a new product. Yeah, for the new ones. Well, and, and also, and I think you and I have talked about this before. And by the way, when companies come in and create products and make money, what does the government do? They mm. tax them. I, I think you and I have talked about this before. How long has the warning about climate change been going on? How, how many times have we been told that we're two, three, four, five years away from Armageddon? Well, it's been you, a long time, have right? You, have you seen any of these memes that have come out, and there have been dozens of them, where it's actually just a list of, of years, like – 1970, 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, and there's different things on the list like we're going to run out of oil, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the planet is going to overheat, uh, and on and on and on. They're all the none of these things ever happen. None of the Armageddon's ever. None reached. of these things yes. ever happen. So this feels like the latest one of those to you. It's the boy who cried wolf. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, the one thing I'll say, and this is what I've said before, because I, I was raised at a time when they taught climate change in school, and that you can call indoctrination if that's what yeah, you want to call it. absolutely that's what it is. People will say that. That's fine. I accept it. Uh, what, I'll, what I've said is often that um, there are many, many countries that have no interest in pulling back on the amount of fossil fuel they're creating. They have no none whatsoever. And actually, if more opportunity arises, uh, they'll pump the brakes or they'll uh, do the opposite if people pump the brakes uh, to fill in the gap of need there whenever they see it. China is one of the biggest polluters, uh, if that's what you want to call it. And then I think India, too. So the United States cannot do anything to impact the amount of whatever is happening in our climate to keep happening by itself. And so it does go back to the point you just made a second ago where you start bragging about money, where you start bragging about the industries you're creating and the ways in which you're funneling resources here and there. You know, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, over the weekend that sort of mystified me, and it name-dropped Illinois in it. It said that there's a certain amount of money uh, that is government funding that goes to each state, and it's to help have, it, have clean water in all the states. Every state needs a certain amount of money for clean water. But it's one of the easiest things for politicians to earmark and move to something that has nothing to do with water. They just say that now we need that money for some other thing. And Illinois is apparently one of the worst states as far as lead pipes that exist in our water system, all these things that would need to be updated. And we're also one of the biggest abusers of moving this money that's government approved and told to the taxpayer to the voter that it's for, you know, improving our water system. And then it goes into pet projects is what the Wall Street Journal described them that, again, have nothing to do with it. Uh, That's just the simple misuse, abuse, redirection of money in the world of something that, say, a climate person would really care about, uh, clean water uh, throughout the country. So I just think it's interesting uh, that as we talk about these issues, I don't think it matters if you believe that climate change is real or false to feel as though the government is obviously doing something to benefit them to put money in certain pockets uh, because there's not a real likelihood uh, that anything will change if the United States acts alone. Uh, look, the climate changes, and it has changed since before man existed. <laughs> it'll change again. Okay, and it'll change again. And mm-hmm. by the way, this idea that we're going green, mm-hmm. the earth already is green. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep yeah. going. Every, by the way, everything yes. we have, everything we have, uh, your soundboard, mm-hmm. this computer monitor, this microphone, all comes from stuff that comes from the earth. Yes. 
Yeah. Everything in the studio is green. Mm-hmm. We're, we're as green your, as it gets. Your glasses. Fossil fuel is very green. I understand what you're saying. It's, it's all, all green. It's all, it's all the earth. It's, yeah, I know. It's all the earth. I know. And but, if, if it comes from the earth, it's not going to hurt the earth. What I do think is interesting, because I get into these conversations, I talk about stuff on the radio, I get into these conversations in my own life where people walk up to me and go, I think climate change is crap, I think it's real, I think whatever, and I don't think that matters. I think that's a misdirection. Look, I don't have a problem. If you think it's real, that's fine. But guess what? Yeah. You have no right to tell me how to live. 100% correct. I'm not affecting you. Right. 100% correct. And no government has the right to say, right. Uh, we're going to tax you sure. because you're not doing what we want you to do. Sure. You know, the Constitution was created as a contract with the government. That means the government has to adhere to the contract. It's not the other way around. Yeah. And the government... They, or, they seem to have forgotten that. Oh, no, they're just ignoring it. <laughs> yeah, they just they blatantly don't care. They know what it says, yeah. and they don't like it. But how interesting is that, again, to go back to it, I'll pull up the, the article, because I just, I just saw it over the weekend. I think I actually saved it on my phone. I think I saw it in my, like, news feed on my Apple News, um, that there is a way in which politicians just re um, move, just reallocate funds from one source to another source, and one of the most egregious ones happening is in this very state, and it's about uh, improving our water system. I just thought that was so fascinating because no matter what I say, how I care, if I care a lot or a little about lead pipes being removed from the the water system throughout Illinois, uh, and I, we'd all have our own opinions about that, that's not even really what the money is going toward. So anyone that's proud of the government passing multi-million dollar or billion dollars worth of funding uh, to fix water issues throughout the country would be shocked to find out how much of that money doesn't actually wind up in that. And I know that that's very obvious. It's very, like, low-hanging fruit in the world of the government takes your money and does whatever they want well, with it. Well, just look at, look at all the money that gets sent to Ukraine and then gets funneled back to people over here. Sure. Um, um, the money laundering. It's called money laundering, Craig. Right. I understand. Um, and, boy, Illinois is pretty really bad at it. good but at But what's it. funny is the, the thing about the, the thing I'm referencing, it's not even money laundering. They, they can do this, and it just, gets, it just gets missed. People just don't pay attention to it, so it takes someone doing a write-up. And, they again, they name-drop Illinois. Uh, they say one of the worst states in, in behaving the way they're behaving is our state. Shocker. I know. It's, I know. Incredibly shocking. Um, and it's about something that I think a lot of people on, say, the left, there are a lot of people uh, that care about uh, our planet and all these things. They care about clean water well, just, and the accessibility. It, when of you it. talk about Illinois, and you can say this about a lot of different states, it, it just look at the look at the public school system and the money that is collected from taxes for the funding of schools, and they always lead, need more money. Why is that? <laughs> How did they run out of money? It's like yeah. the kid you gave him his allowance yeah. for the week, right. and for some reason. He didn't buy his school lunch with it. Mm-hmm. So what happened to the money? Yeah. And actually, there's an announcement out today that Illinois EPA announces $14 million in funding for rehabilitation of water distribution system and removal of lead pipes uh, from uh, several places throughout the state. Um, so and again, it, that uh, is connected to yeah. how they just move the funds however they want. Yeah, this is yeah. real. Uh, Washington Post had too. Uh, state loses federal water funds to congressional earmarks is what they're called. You can just earmark the money for something else after it's been approved, after it's been budgeted, after we've been sold the thing that our taxpayer dollars are going to. You're like, and I don't actually want to spend it on that, so I'm not going to. By the way, one of the tricks I think that they use, and I think I've talked about this before, is Mm -hmm. if your governor, any state, doesn't have to be here, declares an emergency for whatever reason. It could be, you know, a hurricane came through uh, or or a tornado or... There was a chemical spill or whatever. Money starts bouncing around. Then 
all he has to do yeah. or she has to do is declare an emergency, mm. and that makes them eligible for federal funding. And that's another one of those things where who's watching whether that money's actually going where it's intended to go. Exactly. Yeah, here I want to go ahead and, and quote the article so that I'm doing it correctly. Uh, the article is titled, States Lose Federal Water Funding to Congressional Earmarks, and it says members of Congress have redirected roughly $2.3 billion in federal water funding toward political pet projects over the past two years. That is the, Wall, the Washington Post reporting, cutting at times into the money that could have been made available to poor, needier communities. So this is talking about how you know government funding should be going certain places uh, that it's not going. And so I think this would cause more people to react and be like, wait a minute, maybe all that corruption stuff that people talk about is true. Well, it would be <laughs> if this was publicized more. You know, you're, you're reading an article, but are we seeing that on our local, local newscasts? No. Well, because apparently today we are bragging about the fact that we're um, uh, spending $14 million in funding to rehabilitate parts of our water we're distribution system. We're eating up news time right. with how hot it is. Yes, that is correct. That's also happening. All right, quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, hanging out for a few more minutes. Uh, we talk on the air, off the air the entire time uh, we're talking, uh, and I'm thrilled to have you every single Tuesday uh, be a part of the show. Uh, just some quick silly stuff, unless there's something uh, serious uh, you'd like to get. I can open the floor to you if there's anything serious. No, no, serious go ahead. Okay. Uh, some sillier stuff out there. Uh, the average amount of money that Americans spend on vacation uh, is up mostly because it costs money, more money to do anything. Uh, but the average, Especially if you're flying. <laughs> it's true. The average budget, $2,743 uh, for a family. Uh, does that sound about right to you? Does that sound way too high for you? Depends it sounds, on where you're going and what or what you're doing. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, little, if you're if you're going to go to a big city and stay in a nice hotel, you're going to spend that money yeah. very quickly. Yes, yeah. But um, if you if you're going out to camp or you're just you know some people try to cut corners because they'll stay with friends or relatives, mm -hmm. and maybe you're going to do a few things that are interesting, you know. Yeah. Then you uh, do you spend a lot when you vacation or no, Mark? Do you go on week long vacations? Um, I haven't in a while. Now my wife and daughter uh, went to Florida last year. Nice, and uh, they had a good time. Uh, well, I don't think they spent quite that much. A lot of people but, have a good time in Florida, including uh, Pritzker's family. I know that that's a nice shot that gets thrown out there a lot. Um, other things that I, I saw out there that I thought were just kind of interesting. Um, what else? You got something? No, I was laughing at what you said oh, about uh, our Pritzker's governor. Family, yeah. uh, I lost 70 pounds in seven months is the headline to an article I liked a lot. All I ate was cookies and chips. And never worked out at all. A Maryland mother of one uh, who tipped the scales at 200 pounds in late 2022 has shrunk uh, to 125 pounds because she just took less calories in but ate all the stuff she wanted to eat and didn't work out even a little bit, as she says. She brags about 85,000 followers on social media now. She shares health tips with her followers about the stuff you can eat as long as you only eat about 100 calories of things well, at a time. Well, yeah, you know, you can, you can eat whatever you want. If you just don't eat that much of it, yeah. Which, which is very hard to do when you're eating uh, things that taste delicious and don't fill you up at all. Uh, so I'm not sure that she had a really easy go of it. Uh, and she also did a lot of intermittent fasting. Have you ever tried that? No. Do you know? Okay. My wife is very into that right now. She bought a book. Yeah. She's reading the book. She tells me when she's done the book, we're going to start fasting. I, see, I could never do that because if I go <laughs> if I go too long without eating, I get a headache. Yeah. Um, the way it works, I'm told, is like at a certain time of day, which would be a time when I'm still on the radio, I am done eating. And so I can't eat anything else until the next morning, and I can't drink anything that has calories in it, so I just drink water. 
Uh, but Betty has been reading these books and says that this Aren't is a way. Aren't you going to the bathroom all the time? I might be. I, I, don't, I haven't tried it yet. We haven't done it yet. But she's reading these books, and she says these things are going to help us uh, get healthier. We want to get healthier. And so I'm going to try it, but I'm also weary of what it's going to do to, like, the 5 o'clock hour of this radio show uh, because that will be right at the beginning of starting you the know, fast. You know, I don't know about all this grumpy. stuff, and I've seen people talk about it and things pop up on social media with you know, these these people who mm-hmm. are, they look healthy and they have a body that none of us will ever have. And they tell you that you can get into shape by doing this, this and this. Sure. But you know what? It seems to me that the simplest way to get healthy is eat food that people have been eating for thousands of years and don't eat all this processed stuff. We eat, I'm not saying don't eat any processed food. I'm just saying yes. we have been conditioned you know, you stop at a fast food place because you're busy and you don't have time. You run in, you get a candy bar. We have been, we eat, Americans eat more processed food than any other group of people. Yeah, and we have more. And by the way, if you look at the packages and you compare them, and I know it's hard to do, but I've seen this, the ingredients in some of, uh, just a bag of chips or whatever, something up that alley. The ingredients here in Amer- is different than, ever, than the same product yeah. in Europe. This is something my wife tells me all the time. Uh, she cares very much about this, too, and tells me it's a way to help me. So don't eat fries. Have a baked potato. Right. And she also uh, has pointed to things, or I've found some things online myself, where people lose weight while eating junk food in other countries, not here. So I don't know, again, if this woman uh, who had all the successes in the United States or somewhere else. Uh, one last thing. I just want a quick reaction. We, by the way, we Americans... Overeat. We eat a lot. We Our do. portions, and I've said this to my kids before. Poor people here, in some other countries, would not be viewed as poor. No, not with the amount of food you put on the table. Right. right. Exactly. We eat when you when you have dinner. When you go to a, your your mother's house, there's all kinds of food put in front of you. Yes. And you know that you don't need to eat all of that, but you do, Yeah. right? Right. No, you do. You absolutely do. Um, We all do it. One last thing. I just want your quick reaction to this because we got to go. We're late for the news. Uh, The Barbie movie. Did you have any interest in hearing about it? Okay. Apparently it did really well at the box office. You know what? By the way, I'm sorry to inject this here. Do you know what's doing unbelievably well? Oppenheimer. Beat Indiana Jones. Beat uh, the mission. Uh, had, oh, had mission. I know what you're going to talk Sound about. Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom is Sound done of very Freedom. well. Sound of Freedom. Over $100 million at the box office here in the United States, And right? this was in its third week. Yeah. Every week it's doing, it's getting more, more and more, more significant. traffic. Yes. Uh, definitely a different viewing experience than the Barbie movie. Um, but an important movie and a valuable movie for a lot of people. All right. Thank you, Mark, as always. A quick break. We're going to the news. Will's got you covered. AM, it's 1470. FM, 100.3. 1470.3. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about, as I always say. I just want to play a little bit of quick audio. Uh, this is our president, uh, president of the United States, uh, President Biden. I don't know why I just said that three times. Uh, whispering, as he often does. I'm, I'm just going to play it. I don't understand it. The whisper thing doesn't make sense. I don't think it works the way he wants it to. But it's sort of funny every time he does it, and he does it a lot. Holding powerful office. Change the direction of the country would have been beyond our comprehension. And we're just getting started. <laughs> that is terrifying, actually. I, I feel like that could be the end of any sort of horror film. And we're 
just getting started. Yeah, it feels like that could go very bad very quickly. Uh, that's our president. He whispers when he's on a microphone. Uh, that's all I have for that. I don't have more of a reaction there. I want to play this audio quickly. Uh, this is a breaking story earlier today about the um, uh, CEO of Facebook or Meta, uh, the company that owns Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, he is going to be held in contempt by Congress because he's not sharing the way that, well, Twitter and the Twitter files shared without Congress asking. Confirm the House will move forward to cite Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg for contempt of Congress. House Republicans say the social media giant has not turned over enough documents that would shine a light on the company's censorship. FBN's Hillary Vaughn is reporting on this for us live on Capitol Hill. Hillary, what exactly are you learning? Nothing. <laughs> That'd be great if that was the answer. I'm not learning anything because they're not going to talk to us and they should be talking to us. And this is a whole thing. Sandra, this is all a part of the House Judiciary Committee's investigation into whether or not Meta coordinated with the White House and the executive branch to censor um, people on their platform and in, by extension, violating the First Amendment rights of users on their platform. But Here's the thing. I can go ahead and uh, break the news story for them. They probably did that. They very, very, very likely did that. And any sort of proof we'll have that proves they did that is probably going to be something that to most of us, you just nod your head and go, yeah, OK, because um, Twitter did that. And then the only reason Twitter outed themselves for doing that is because Elon Musk bought it. And now Elon Musk is turning it into a brand new company called X, which is weird. I don't know why he's rebranding it. I don't think it's as big of a deal as mainstream media does. I barely care, uh, even though I do use Twitter quite a lot and actually started paying uh, Team X or Twitter or whoever money um, because they uh, have access to things I like in the world of audio and just general conversation. Uh, but that's that's a real thing. Uh, Zuckerberg is unwilling to, to comply feels like he doesn't have to. It's his own private company. And yet I think what people are actually after understanding is how much the uh, federal government just sort of assumed because that that that's the way I'll say it. And then I'll move on to something else in the world of the Twitter files. The thing that was most significant to me was the assumption of of cooperation. And there were some that said that Twitter behind the scenes was debating whether or not they should censor the things and do the stuff uh, that people in the government were telling them they should do. Uh, because it was misinformation, disinformation, or dangerous somehow. And then Twitter eventually did a whole lot of that, uh, censoring, deleting uh, accounts, uh, you know, banning people, kicking people off the platform. And a lot of that has now gone the other way. Uh, and you have to assume that if Twitter was doing it, all the other media companies were also doing it, and that the government would certainly be reaching out the same way they were to Twitter. Uh, all that is there. I know that some people say the Twitter files, for the most part, was a, a nothing burger. And that only far right people care about it or or yell about it or complain about it. Uh, but definitely the thing that I thought was most significant was just the amount of times that some person, not even a significant person in government, was like, hey, you got to take this off. This tweet is bad. These tweets are bad. Uh, they're not accurate. And then Twitter was like, yes, sir. No problem. Let's go ahead and do that uh, many, many, many times. All right. Other stuff out there just quickly. Uh, DeSantis is OK. The governor of Florida and a presidential candidate on the Republican side of the aisle was in a multi-car accident in uh, Tennessee. He's uninjured. He's traveling in a motorcade to a campaign stop. Uh, he also does admit and has been admitting for a little bit now uh, that his campaign is not doing well, that they needed to change things. Uh, people needed to be put in different places. I think this is typically what people who run for uh, an office in a, you know, uh, on a national scale uh, deal with. 
when you were doing so well and actually doing uh, quite well most recently in the campaign locally in Florida, uh, getting reelected by a significant um, you know, number after barely winning the first time around is a great indicator that you have your finger on the pulse of what matters to the voter in Florida and not necessarily what matters to the voter everywhere in the country. And that was what DeSantis's big giant thing was supposed to be. He was supposed to be more um, palatable. Um, someone more likely to gain independent votes. And that has been, I think, pretty far from the truth as far as the campaign itself has gone. Uh, and actually, the most viral thing that's happened outside of the, the failed um, launching of the campaign on Twitter uh, was something that I think made former President Trump uh, look much more in the middle than DeSantis looked in the video. That's the video he got criticized about uh, that talked about, you know, um, certain uh, communities and, and things and people said was was homophobic. Uh, and it started with a bunch of audio moments of the former president of Trump saying supportive things of of certain, you know, national conversations. I, I don't even want to describe them as LGBTQ because they're more nuanced than that. Uh, but it, it seemed as though the former president was being much more um, uh, on a side of the aisle that he's not on. At least that's the way that the DeSantis team wanted to shape it. And my only reaction at the time was that seemed to have probably helped Trump uh, with everyone that would pay attention, uh, which is not the base of supporters. They don't care uh, what's going on there. I, I think the base of supporters is also not paying very much attention to DeSantis at all uh, for uh, Trump. Uh, other things out there, just quickly, uh, one last thing, and then I'll take a break. I thought this was interesting. Uh, the Barbie movie, really, really successful at the box office. Uh, a lot of people said that it's anti-men. And then a lot of other people said the people that are screaming it's anti-men are people that are uh, far on the right and just terrible, awful people. I saw I think it was a Rolling Stones article that said anyone that's that's claiming the Barbie movie is is, is anti-men or, or, you know, left leaning woke, whatever the word might be, is obviously not understanding the nuance, uh, the, the specialness of the way in which that message is delivered, that the utopia that exists in the Barbie world is only there when women are running the show and when men took over, it got terrible. And then when women, women take over at the end, it gets good again. That's not supposed to tell you that men are bad and women are good. That's not the opinion of the movie. Uh, but what I thought was kind of funny about it or just interesting about it is this is on the heels of like two or three other conversations. Uh, Jason Aldean's song, Try That in a Small Town, uh, that seemed to be designed to divide us. Uh, not that Jason Aldean did it purposefully, or even the Barbie movie people uh, did it intentionally, but it seems like there's so many things now that somebody reacts to, and then the other side immediately starts shouting, your side is terrible for the thing you said, and then it goes back and forth, and it just seems as though, um, and, and again, I'm not accusing the creators of this content for, for making this happen. I think Jason Aldean probably thought his song would not get the reaction. I don't think he intended it to be the the viral um, thing that it was, and certainly it did well as far as downloads on iTunes and stuff. So I know it's benefited him, uh, but I, I don't think he went out with the intention of making a whole bunch of people want to cancel him. And so I just think it's sort of fascinating uh, that right now, uh, most of these conversations that I see people have uh, very strong uh, opinions about almost seem designed uh, to make us get angry at the other side, whoever the other side is and whatever the issue is. And I don't I don't know where we I don't think that's a way like here. This is the easier way to say it. And then I'll take a break on this. The Barbie movie existing and being uh, very pro women and maybe very anti men doesn't in and of itself make me mad. And that might make you mad listening to the show that I don't care about that, because if that's true or not true, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. 
But I don't I don't really intend to go to the Barbie movie and sit through the whole movie. And if it says that I'm bad and that uh, women are great, I won't walk out of it being like that needs to be shut down and taken out of theaters because uh, it's somebody's opinion. Somebody out there believes that thing and, and wants that message out there. And so I guess my reproach would be or my response would be to the people in my life that I care about if I had kids or anything to, to reshape my own opinion as an offer as a you know reaction the other way. And if that's all that happened, if you went in, you walked out, you didn't really uh, care all that much about it because it's something that exists out there in the world and, you know, it is what it is, uh, then we'd probably have less arguing amongst ourselves and uh, not just with the politicians. I think the same thing is happening with the Jason Aldean song. I think a lot of people are getting very mad and then some others are getting mad at that anger, at that yelling. And all of it just misses the attention, the point, uh, the, the you know, much less uh, serious, I think, um, um, desire uh, that the artist has when creating the thing. Uh, and again, I haven't seen I have no idea on the Barbie movie if my take makes sense or if I'd feel differently about it. But I saw enough out there that I was just thinking to myself, like, man, how many things are designed to make me say a thing that you either hate or love me for saying that I also don't terribly care about, especially the world of that specific. I don't have any intention of going to see it. So it is what it is. All right. Quick break. A lot more. I'm going to talk to the uh, sheriff in Tazewell County coming up next. Uh, Jeffrey Lauer, uh, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins show. My next guest, Sheriff Jeffrey Lauer, uh, jumping on the show for a few minutes. Uh, thank you for being here with us. Uh, right out of the gate, the first thing I'd love to talk to you about, Sheriff, mental health. I feel like the world of policing is becoming more and more focused on um, mental health uh, than maybe ever before. Uh, how is that playing out in Tazewell County? Oh, it is. It's a it's a huge uh, a huge issue, both with uh, people that are in custody and people we deal with on the street. And uh, it has been for a long time, but it just seems to be getting uh, getting worse, and we're struggling to be able to deal with it. So the biggest solution that I've heard out there is that you have social workers, you have people that are not necessarily trained the way that officers are trained to deal with, say, the potential um, uh, safety risks in certain situations uh, that are accessible and available to either show up uh, with officers or after officers uh, to scenes where mental health might be believed to be a component of it. Do I have that right? Uh, can you describe to me more why there's so much belief that that's uh, valuable um, and maybe not necessarily putting social workers and those not trained for this in danger themselves? Well, we've we've been fortunate. In fact, my entire 35-year career, we've had uh, ERS, which emergency response, which we can call them to come out after the fact, after the scene secure, and and help with the mental health. But they are so so overworked, and there there's so few of them anymore. Uh, we've started uh, our own CIT intervention team, uh, CIT being crisis intervention, and we've created our mental health policy and. We've uh, gone to. Sir, are you still there? Hello? I might have lost you. I don't know if you're still there. Um, um, we can try to reconnect in just a second. Uh, I think that uh, the sheriff has um, uh, dropped out for a second there. We'll try to get him back on. Um, but uh, Sheriff Jeffrey Lauer and I were speaking about uh, quite a few things. I also intended to ask him about the Safety Act. 
Uh, so let's try uh, one more time and see if we can get him back on the phone. This is a uniquely tough uh, moment uh, when you're not um, someone with a producer. Uh, so let's hope for the best and see if we can get him back on. Uh, and if not, uh, we will try to get him on, say, after a break. Here we are. Uh, Sheriff, are you there? Yeah, what happened? I get cut off. Yep, sorry, you got cut off. So you were saying about the um, the crisis teams that you guys have been working on uh, within the sheriff's department. Yeah, it's a crisis intervention team. We're intending on training all of our deputies. We're, we're essentially about halfway there right now. And the goals of that program is obviously to increase the safety of all the encounters and when it's appropriate, divert those persons with some sort of mental health issues uh, from the criminal justice system into the mental health treatment system. Gotcha. You know, there, there's such a growing mental health challenge within our community that uh, we have to try and change our focus from strictly enforcement to trying helping. Yeah, no, I totally, I understand that. And everything you described that's after the fact makes sense to me. I guess the, the thing I'm most confused about, and I don't understand anywhere near the way you do or anyone else does, it's actually in law enforcement. This are the people that are saying that real time in the moment, you know, responding with officer a de-escalation of situations is something that is vital to uh, police being able to do their job better in the case of a mental health uh, situation. And I guess the best way that I formulate this question is I know that uh, one of the more risky uh, things to be called and report uh, or respond to for just a, um, a police officer is actually a domestic dispute of some kind. Uh, those are ones that can turn uh, violent and turn dangerous uh, for, for officers themselves. And yet I think that is one of the more likely ones to have a, another um, individual responding with or, or maybe after the fact. Is there any concern? Are there any ways to mitigate those those dangers uh, for you and for people in, in you know, your, um, your uh, community? Well, I don't really agree with the model of having a civilian untrained in in the safety or, or any type of uh, oh domestic or uh, first responder. Sure, it, it has to be somebody that's trained in a officer safety and being able to control the scene after the fact. Yes, I have I have no issues with bringing other people in, but. Gotcha. Uh, we have to train our deputies to be able to recognize that right off the bat. Yes. So that's more the plan in Tazewell County is training the police officers themselves to be more focused on mental health components uh, so that they can understand or evaluate a situation differently uh, than maybe officers have uh, throughout the country uh, in the past. Am I getting that right? Yes, yes that's, uh, that's been the goal all along. Perfect. I love that. Uh, one other quick thing I want to ask you about uh, just quickly. We've got about a minute and a half left. The Safety Act, um, the Supreme Court in Illinois has said that it's fine. It's okay. It's going to move forward. Uh, this is causing a lot of reactions from a lot of people, including a lot of sheriffs throughout the, the state. Uh, do you have any uh, specific reaction uh, to the fact that anything that's been on delay, as there have been court challenges to the Safety Act, uh, will now no longer be delayed, I think, as of uh, early September. Uh, is there any um, um, thing you want to say about uh, what many people think is is a bad decision by politicians? Well, I don't agree with it. I, I was one of those that, uh, that also joined the lawsuit, but it has been decided by the Supreme Court. It is the law. We have to abide by it. So we are working as best we can to to abide by it and hope to work with the uh, General Assembly in the future to try and fix some of the mistakes that were made in it.
do you think that's a that's how I feel about this too? Is is once it it happens, it happens. Um, but if there are those things that people are worried about as actual circumstances that occur, uh, say people who benefit from uh, the no bail system that wind up uh, doing harm to the community after being released when they typically wouldn't be, do you think that it'll be a quick response uh, by those politicians who made this decision to to acknowledge the reality of the situation? Because uh, I'm guessing maybe you and I both feel a little pessimism there, uh, even though I hope that that's I hope that that's what occurs. If you see the proof of the thing people are saying could happen, happen, you, you feel like you start to react. Well, nothing in politics happens quickly. Uh, we're going to have to. Yes, we're going to have to uh, track some of these issues and put them on paper and actually prove it to them. Uh, we've had three trailer bills so far. I hope that we can continue down that route and, and fix some of the issues. How hard is it to track all that stuff for you guys? Is that, is that part pretty easy? Uh, we don't have any mechanism in place to do it yet. We're going to have to create that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for cre- for giving us some time, Sheriff Lauer. I look forward to talking again soon. I talk to the police chief in Peoria once a month. I'd love to start chatting with you once a month about all this kind of stuff. Uh, but thank you. Uh, I got to take a break. We got to get to the news. 1470s and AM, 100.3s and FM. And you can listen on the stream. Uh, you can tell your smart speaker, fire off some WMBD radio or something to that effect. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. It's the Tazewell County Hour of the show, it seems. Uh, Jeffrey Lauer on the uh, sheriff there. And now we have John Ackerman, uh, Tazewell County Clerk. How are you doing, buddy? Good, my friend. How are you? Good. Very good. Uh, you know what I really like about uh, you? And it seems like it's something about you even beyond your job with our government. I annoy I, you? No, <laughs> not that at all. <laughs> you seem to really dive deep and want to understand something fully. Uh, maybe that comes from being a guy that was challenged with making sure an election is on the up and up. So you look into everything you can do to make sure an election's on the up and up. Um, but because of that, I was playing some audio the other week. And I'll play it again to remind some people about an accusation that Tucker Carlson threw, well, at at, um, uh, President Zelensky in in Ukraine, but also uh, at Mike Pence, uh, the former vice president, for not caring enough about this, about arresting uh, priests, uh, something that seems to be going on in Ukraine. And you called me and you're like, I have a bunch of information on this, Craig. We can dive (laughs) deep into this if you want to. And I was like, absolutely, I do. A Catholic Craig definitely does. But first, just for reference, uh, here was some of that back and forth and what the kind of fight was. And Penn says this isn't happening. It's not true, at least the way that Tucker was describing it. Question. It's very clear that the Zelensky government has arrested priests for having views they disagree with. That's not consistent with religious liberty. It's an attack on it. And we're funding it. And I'm just wondering how is it. And I, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all. But I sincerely wonder how a Christian leader could support the arrest of Christians for having different views. Well, what, what, what I can tell you is I asked the Christian leader in Kiev if that was in fact happening, and he assured me that it was not. People were not being persecuted for their religious beliefs. Now, he, he let me, no let me, let me take a break here. I know we disagree <laughs> on this strongly, but I, they seem to, yes. I respect your right to your opinion on Ukraine, and I trust you'll respect mine. Look, I, look, okay. look. By the way, it did stun um, uh, Tucker a little bit when he says, I, I expect you to respect mine. I don't think that's how that works. Uh, but so anyway, so you uh, gave me a call and you told me how uh, this is a very difficult to understand kind of conversation. Uh, but you can help us get to the bottom of it. And in some ways, uh, what's going on, the, the war itself between Russia and Ukraine 
could all be tied back to Christianity and religion. Is that it, right? It is. It's, and that's an angle that the United States media hasn't really covered is that no. this is uh, a largely a, a religious war that is taking place. Uh, the entire pretext for everything that has happened is because of a religious dispute that has taken place. We have a hard time here in the United States because we are so adamant about religious freedom, um, mm-hmm. and we do not have one religious uh, denomination that is predominant throughout the United States. Um, we, we have so many different views and voices sure. at the table where if you go to a country like Ukraine, 86% of Ukraine is Orthodox Christian. Um, you're Catholic, Craig. I guess I'm Orthodox John because my family <laughs> is Greek Orthodox, sure. yeah, which falls enough. into the same thing. There we go. Um, and I think really that's the beginning because if you – you got to look at where this all the dispute really starts at. So in the Middle Ages, the religious uh, system at the time wasn't uh, one organization, the Catholic Church, ruling everything, but rather it was five bishops overseeing the, the Christian faith. Rome was one. You had Constantinople. You had Alexandria, Antioch, and Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they call, they formed what was called the Pentarchy. Sure. Uh, that's where patriarch comes from uh, today, uh, what we call our religious leader in Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really where it was. So it wasn't one making the determination. It sure. was, it was the rest of them. Yeah. Yes. And so then this... this um starts to stratify, stratify into a bunch of other places, and you have a bunch of other leaders, and then you have a bunch of uh, political people involved in this, and, and that's where we get to, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too quickly, that's where we get to Ukraine and the involvement with the government, uh, and maybe even the Russian government to a degree, in some of these uh, overwhelmingly popular religious organizations. Is that right? Yeah, that's okay. where you just basically don't have one guy calling the shots. You've got a bunch of voices at the table. Mm-hmm. Well, as time's gone on and they've divided, there are more and more of those voices at the table on the orthodoxy side. Of course, on the Catholic side, it's just the Pope uh, yep. um, being yeah. the one leader. He's got the um, hat. He's got the Pope mobile. He's got all the stuff. Yes, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Well, <laughs> in Russia, they have one who okay. is uh, Patriarch Krill. Um, that is the Russian Orthodox uh, Patriarch. Sure. Um, he views himself, though, as the third Rome. Uh, so there was Rome, then there was Constantinople, now there is Moscow, and he is the religious head. Gotcha. Um, and really, the Russian Orthodox Church is the only institution that survived communism with the territory still being held, all of it, so, because they had their church reaching out into all of them. Well, they've seen over the last several years, those churches start to fall. Um, you know, Moldova, uh, mm-hmm. U- Ukraine, Belarus, they all start wanting their own individual church. And now you've got the one institution that remained falling apart. Yeah. And U- so this is relevant to the politicians because there's an infection within these churches? There is. Political. Krill himself is, has a reputation as being a former member of the KGB. The gotcha. KGB has utilized the Russian Orthodox Church for spy operations in mm-hmm. the past. Um, the British uh, government, the European Union, Hmm. almost, uh, the British did, the European Union was one vote shy of putting sanctions against him personally for his promotion of the war in Ukraine. Um, So his ties to Putin are very close. As a matter of fact, Putin gave him a $75 million tobacco industry for his own profit, and he profits from these churches. Wow. Um, So a few years ago when they invaded Crimean, the ecumenical patriarch in Constantinople, our leader, recognized Ukraine as its own individual church. Well, that removed one-third of the Russian Orthodox parishes. 
Well, that's a lot of income coming to Krill personally that gotcha. is suddenly gone. So it's money. And it's... he stated at the time he will reinstitute the Russian Orthodox Church to its full boundaries mm-hmm. and has never recognized the Ukrainian Church. Well, Putin did the same exact thing then. With all of Ukraine. Yes, we're going to reestablish old Russia. Yes, you're right. So... The, the rhetoric is almost identical. Let me ask you this. Do you think the reason why um, religion is an effective conduit for uh, political leaders to, to gain control of something or even just, I guess, make money off of uh, things is because of places like the United States and our unwillingness to put religion into a conversation with politics? It is because, again, we're separate from the rest of the world that is starting to sanction Krill. Um, if you take a look, we've very rarely done this. We have done this against, and I'm trying to find my note here. Yes. We had, we have sanctioned in the past a few, but only a very few. You've got the uh, holy leader in Iran, holy leader in Iraq for promoting terrorism. They were sanctioned by the United States. Gotcha. Beyond that, we really have never sanctioned religious leaders because of our adamant views on religious liberties. Yeah. But the gentleman they arrested, uh, the priest that they arrested, so he was arrested in December in his church, in his uh, office. Mm -hmm. They found letters for, and this was in uh, Kershaw where they were invading, the Russians were. Mm -hmm. He had a list of people to take out of town to execute. These are the uh, leaders that you need to get rid of. The religious leader had a list of people to execute. Including other religious leaders that had a pro-Ukrainian viewpoint. And immediately once he's arrested, they also find not only notes and correspondence with the Russian military, giving them directives and all of this. They find notes to the KGB headquarters uh, performing this. And then suddenly they want to do a prisoner exchange, and the prisoner they exchanged was a former American pilot that was flying for Ukraine. So that's a high level. Yeah, sure. Why all of a sudden are you so interested in getting this guy back? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, you know, it's I, pretty solid that this guy was a KGB operative, sure. not. Yeah. yeah, I love the fact that you can add context to this because it is a very easy, you know, surface level conversation for people to have and understand because I remember hearing the reporting over a year ago uh, that this was happening, that Ukraine was arresting religious leaders. And he's not the only one. He was just one. Three others were arrested together. They were very athletic built, uh, and they all spoke Russian, not Ukraine, and claimed to be priests, but were doing, looking over the military bases. Huh. Gotcha. That's very interesting. <laughs> so, uh, nobody knew who they were either, so it was like, so, hmm. Uh, it's, I think... Feathers are ruffled that 15% of the Russian churches, well, of the Ukrainian churches, sorry, still want to be in Russia. Yeah. The majority, the overwhelming majority, are wanting to have their own independent Ukrainian church, which has been recognized now by the European countries, mm-hmm. but not by the Russian agents. So is this um, something that's also expected? I don't know if you found this, because I know you did a deep dive. you got a lot of stuff in front of you. Of the people of these countries, to just think that the the church and the government are closely tied together, or at least there could be ties between them? Oh, or absolutely. Or do they assume what we assume, that they're independent? No, no. They're, the Russia is, uh, I mean, the Russian Orthodox is the state religion. Uh, they've pushed out uh, Catholic uh, priests that have gone too uh, sure. adamant and they're uh, yes. wanting yeah. to extend their uh, religion there because that's not, we are a Russian Orthodox nation. So yeah, church and state are closely tied. I found the Pope's comments this past December curious on this. So he had a phone call with Krill about Patriarch Krill's viewpoints, his promotion of the war in Ukraine. And after the phone call, he said, um, all right, let me find it here. That was, uh, he, he called, uh, Krill, Putin's, uh, um, Putin's altar boy. Here we go. Sorry, I found it now. He cannot transform himself into Putin's altar boy, and that we are not clerics of a state, but of God. Sure. So that shows there's an that's extraordinarily rare for one religious leader to 
publicly make a statement like that. Our patriarch, uh, Bartholomew, his statements was, I don't know how he can justify himself to his conscience, how he'll justify it, how history will judge him. He should react to the invasion of Ukraine and condemn the war as all other Orthodox primates have done. Um, So these are very strong sentiments from the two top religious leaders in Christianity. I like that you found the Pope's quote. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Catholic Catholic Craig. Craig, I had to go for that. (laughs) Catholic Craig is very happy. Uh, Let me ask you this then, and this is going to be a hard uh, last question for you to answer on this topic, but I'm very grateful for all this context and, and information. What would you do if it were you or if you were involved somehow Arresting religious leaders on its on its face still sounds like something that government shouldn't be doing. I know the argument you're making, and very convincingly, is that these aren't really religious leaders; they're political operatives uh, behaving in within churches uh, that are obviously funneling or potentially funneling money to the government. But how would you, if you're say Zelensky in Ukraine, deal with the risk of someone operating out in the open uh, who might be harming your um, your defense effort in the war against Russia? Well, also understanding that that is a person that is tied to uh, faith and is supposed to be a leader of faith. Well, and that's it. I think you have to look at every incident individually on their own. You just can't make a blanket statement of this is how we're going to handle it, period. Mm -hmm. Because even like us, the United States does not... Uh, sanction religious leaders. We've, yeah. But yet we did go after the Islamic State ones because it was obvious that there sure. was a direct tie. Um, they're very close, supposedly, to adding Krill to the list, uh, Patriarch Krill, because of just how vocal and how um, prom- how much of a promotional PC has been for this mm-hmm. effort. Um, so I think you have to look at it individually, each individual case. Gotcha. Um, now, and I also hope you can't broad brush these things either. Sure. Just because they're Orthodox priests doesn't mean that every single one of them is involved in this. Right. Um, Orthodoxy overall has a strong record of promoting religious freedom. During World War II, Greek Orthodox priests uh, were on the leading edge of protecting the Jewish population. They sure. did feats above and beyond other religious leaders throughout the world. Yeah. The only religious leader to identify the Holocaust when it was taking place was the Greek Orthodox uh, yeah. bishop in Greece. So it there are leaders that stand up, but yeah. it's harder when they are tied so directly to the state in, in a nation that is overwhelmingly of that faith mm-hmm. as compared to the United States where um, if the Methodists went to war tomorrow, okay, that's a, that's a segment sure. of our population. Yeah. That isn't the whole population. There's, right. it, it makes it a more difficult conversation. No, you're right. It's, it's very interesting, and actually it's sort of funny, and I know this isn't the avenue your intent to go down, but whenever people talk about the deep state or whatever the things are that I get curious about in the world of politics, you wonder how corruption, how – um, influence can can uh, permeate certain barriers that we think might exist in our society, and where um, I am going to admit to being somewhat um, naive to just how much church would be immune to some of those barriers or some of those things crumbling uh, with the right move by the right government people. And obviously, as demonstrated in a whole lot of places that are not here, uh, it seems that there's been a lot of influence, a lot of crumbling of barriers, and a lot of potential uh, risk in the world of, of Ukraine. I don't know that I'll, I'll still say that I advocate for the arresting of religious leaders, but I better understand the why uh, than I did. And it, it sounds to me that a lot of people wouldn't consider those per, those individuals to really be religious leaders anymore. Well, I guess wrapping up the topic a bit, too, my objection to Tucker's co- question wasn't the question itself being raised or the topic to be discussed. It should be one that we discuss all the time to protect religious liberties. Sure. But at the same time, he approached the, in my mind, he approached the topic to Pence as if, 
religious persecution is taking place. Absolutely, it's a proven fact. No, that that discussion, as we've just had here, is much more open than it, it needs to be open yeah. more. It needs to have a discussion on it. You just can't say that Ukraine is uh, is having a holy war against um, religious leaders in their nation. That's not the accurate statement. Um, it is much more of a finite issue that needs to be looked at. So you do think a whole lot of people also don't understand that this is a religious war between Russia and Ukraine? I think it has been passed off. most part, we haven't had a good explanation of why we need to be in Ukraine. We haven't, as a nation, uh, discussed that really as a topic of why it is important that we are involved there or investing money there, sure. what the context is. But, yeah, beyond that, what you know, other than wanting land, why is Putin so adamant on taking this well you got to look at krill you've got to look at his background how sure. much this financially hit him well and russia's yeah. overall goals of thinking that they're going to reestablish their nation um right. well, and again to think about it if you had 85 percent of any uh, country um that all are in one religion and funneling money into that religion it becomes a very very worthwhile empire yes. uh, much more worthwhile than any sort of industry might be so it it would make sense uh, for governments to have unique interest in how they work with that it, it makes me very happy to be an american right now john that's how i feel in this moment. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, John Ackerman, the Tazewell County Clerk, uh, doing a deep dive into stuff that I understand much better all of a sudden. A quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thank you again to uh, Sheriff Flower uh, from Tazewell County, and then John Ackerman, the uh, County Clerk, uh, who gave me a very good explanation of some things going on in the world of Russia and Ukraine and the Orthodox uh, Christian Church there that I did not understand. Uh, well, no, I understand it better now. I didn't know it all before uh, John sat down. That'll all be up on the podcast later today if you want to get a, a, a revisit of some of those things. Uh, some other stuff before we uh, take a break for news, and then we'll do the top five at five in about 15 minutes or so. Um, I thought this was kind of an interesting uh, thing out there, and I know that people are going to have pretty significant reactions uh, to even the idea of this. Uh, so there was a kid that was uh, struggling with his eyesight. He was legally blind uh, by the age of 14, uh, but now he can see again. Uh, the way in which he can see, and I think the New York Post is a story on this, is a gene therapy eye drop that had, quote, an inactive herpes virus uh, that restored the boy's sight. Uh, the teen was born with a condition that was a rare genetic disorder uh, that caused blisters all over his body and in his eyes. Uh, but his skin improved when he joined a clinical trial uh, to test the world's first topical gene therapy. And I guess it got um, so significant. But the, the thing, obviously, the, the headline grabbing moment there is inactive herpes virus uh, that helps a 14 year old uh, see again. There are not a lot of humans that would be like, yeah, OK, let's try that out. Let's let's roll the dice here. Let's see if this is something that makes sense, especially in the world of what uh, people have gone through over the last couple of years. Uh, this did not happen in the United States, by the way. Uh, that might matter uh, to some people, too. Uh, but the fact that it worked at all, uh, you almost feel like um, you have to get to a certain point of desperation as a parent, as a person, as, as people, uh, to try something where you're being described uh, what is something you definitely would not want to get uh, in your eyes or on your body uh, or any of that. And yet it, it wound up being an effective treatment, at least in a one-off scenario, so much so that it's in the news and I'm reacting to it and I have nothing else to say for it other than, again, thank God it worked uh, is probably a part of that. Uh, also, America wants cutting-edge technology when it comes to their dream car, according to a recent poll. Uh, many, many people uh, say that they want um, the fanciest possible technology gadgets. Um, actually, this is also interesting. 
31% said they would prefer electric engines. 27% said they favored gas engines. A whole lot of people said they wanted to buy whatever wound up being the cheapest item. They didn't really care about which it was, uh, which is how the market would decide what sells. Uh, 21% opted for hybrid alternatives uh, that are a little bit of both as far as that world goes, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Also on this list, the top dream car models, Ford Mustang, 14%. Uh, Chevy, uh, the Corvette, 14%, uh, Tesla Model S, 16%, and then the only one that did better than all of those is a BMW M4, uh, which 17% of people said uh, they want. A lot of this is according to Carvana. Uh, technology, 26% of people say most important. Performance, 25 and safety, 25 Technology beat out safety. Uh, that's an interesting move. And then actually the top 10 move cars that people most want. I thought that was also a cool thing to throw out there. Uh, Number one, uh, beating out anything that other people say is true. Even the Back to the Future car that made the list is James Bond's Aston Martin, the DB5, which is the coolest uh, movie car. Hands down, easy discussion. Doesn't even need to have the gadgets on it. It's just awesome. Uh, So that came in at number one, Ford Mustang GT392, a Mini Cooper from the Italian job. I can't believe the Italian job. Uh, Those movies uh, made that Mini Cooper such a a desired vehicle in the world of people, but apparently it is. That came in at number three. Will's got the news. Top five at five coming up next. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about, but right now, very important to us. It is time for the top five at five on the Craig Collins Show. If this thing is going to actually work and do the stuff it's supposed to do, here we go. Let's play the sounder. Let's get started. It's time for the top five at five on the Craig Collins Show. All right. These are the top five topics according to me, Uh, just me, in no particular order. I run through them every single day just after the 5 o'clock news. Uh, The first one, uh, just a couple quicker ones. Uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, governor of Florida, has recently let go of a third of his campaign staff. He also is okay after a car accident uh, that happened earlier today. Um, he's he's fine uh, as far as the motorcade that was in the accident goes. I think everybody's uh, fine. But he said he's got a, a shift. He's got a reset after things have not been going very well uh, for DeSantis, who was thought to be uh, the biggest threat to the former president of anyone running on the Republican side of the aisle. Uh, whether or not someone else could wind up being an actual threat, I know that a lot of media, I think left-leaning media, would like to see Chris Christie uh, become a, a actual viable candidate. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to be true, uh, but that's where we are in this. Um, but DeSantis definitely doesn't seem like someone who would win a race right now or is going to win any kind of race against Trump right now. So uh, change is what they're doing. So you get into the um, uh, process late. You probably should have entered the race sooner uh, when the sort of height of interest in you existed. He didn't do that. He then entered very poorly via his uh, failed Twitter uh, announcement. And now he has run the campaign, or at least uh, members of the staff have run the campaign in a way that has made him less Uh, palatable than the former president to the people he was supposed to uh, appeal to, uh, people that are in the middle. The suburban uh, mom is often who they say is least likely to vote for former President Trump. At least that's what I'm told uh, in some news places on the Republican side of the aisle. So DeSantis was supposed to be a more attractive candidate there, and it has not been the case. Uh, Also, the former president did put a video out on social media asking for investigations uh, into some of the things going on as far as uh, the in the DOJ and the FBI and, and all the different um, that he says political witch hunts are occurring uh, against former President Trump. Here's a little of that audio. 
Congress, if you will, please investigate the political witch hunts against me currently being brought by the corrupt DOJ and FBI, who are totally out of control. They don't go after Biden with all of his corruption, the most corrupt president in history, but they keep coming after me. Now, what I find is interesting with him. From the day I came down the escalator, all failures. In 2016, the day he came down the escalator. So uh, what I think is interesting is that sort of uh, tied to uh, that uh, plea by the former president today, uh, you also have an announcement from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy uh, that they may very well uh, investigate and do a impeachment inquiry against our current president. And this would all be related to financial dealings uh, that uh, exist between Hunter Biden and places, uh, China, Ukraine, among those places, and then also money that wound up in the pockets, or at least it seems the bank accounts, of other members of the Biden family. Uh, those are the accusations. That's the conversation. You know what I find interesting about this? And, and I'm going to do this more middle of the road than some people might like it to sound. But I, I do find this fascinating on a more macro level, is that Trump got impeached twice. And if you're on one side of the aisle, you think that every single version of that is absolute crap and it was all political witch hunts. And you probably agree uh, with everything I just played from the former president saying that all these challenges against him are also political witch hunts. And now you're seeing uh, Republicans uh, go after Biden and you're hearing uh, people on the left say that these are political witch hunts. They're crap. Uh, they shouldn't happen. And if it gets all the way to impeachment and at least the House, uh, which is Republican leaning, uh, impeaches um, Biden at some point in the next couple of years, you would be able to say the thing that people often say about Trump, that he was the twice impeached president of the United States, even though he was not removed from office because the Senate never agreed with the House that was Democratic at the time. And so maybe we'll just see this forever now, uh, whether it's deserving or not. And I don't want to get into it as far as uh, Biden goes, because we need more information uh, to back up some of the claims. But it's way, way more confusing uh, then some want you to believe as far as what uh, the Biden family has allegedly done and how odd the paper trail seems to be. Uh, but it's just sort of fascinating to me or entertaining or whatever the word should be uh, that all these political moves that happen on one side of the aisle are now happening on the other side of the aisle. And we might be in this forever. And by the way, as we're talking about this, a potential impeachment of our current president, of President Biden. He's out there not impressing anyone with some of the things he's saying. I have a couple pieces of audio of our president today, uh, one of which is not really a good luck um, for anyone that says that you're mentally uh, capable of being in the office you're in. Uh, he said verbatim that he doesn't understand the difference between two things that you should really understand the difference between. I don't know what the difference between... Breaking your arm and having a mental breakdown is. I don't know. They're totally the same to our president. A mental breakdown and a broken arm. Uh, you can see one. You can't see the other. I know that's his point. He's trying to say that both are, are equally serious and equally bad. I think they're not, probably. I think the way you treat them is also vastly different. But that's me, man. I, I can figure out some differences between broken arm and mental breakdown. Our president can't. He also said this. This was an odd um, moment of telling uh, people to vote for legislation that would let the government uh, have more oversight into how social media companies um, censor certain things. And the pitch is a pretty easy one for most people on a sort of a surface level to agree with. We're protecting children. Uh, the thing that's not exactly on the surface level is how much protecting of, say, a political side of the aisle uh, will be occurring if the government gets any access any way uh, to further force uh, social media companies, not that they're good. Social media companies are doing bad things uh, to people, especially young people. Um, mental health is definitely a, a thing that's easily connected uh, to the rise in, in social media and how, 
how bad things have gotten. Uh, but it's it's the old saying, uh, the old Reagan saying that the government is the last uh, people uh, that are likely to help. If uh, you have them knocking at the door saying, I'm here to help, that's really, really bad. I know I'm butchering the saying. It's, I don't want to say it verbatim. I'm not him. Uh, but here, I want to play this um, because, again, I think it's sort of interesting that this is the pitch. This is the a way in which he's he's telling people to vote for a thing. And then also just the way he carries himself is is just weird. It just feels uncomfortable very, very often, including here. You got to hold these platforms accountable for the national experiment they're conducting on on our children for profit. Later this week, senators will debate legislation to protect kids' privacy online, which I've been calling for for two years. It matters. Pass it, pass it, pass it, pass it, pass it. <laughs> uh, what? I really mean it. Think about it. You ever get a chance to look at what your kids are looking at online? Uh, that's a weird way to say that, sir. You ever get a chance to look at what your kids are looking at online? Hopefully most parents pay attention to what their kids are looking at online. And I don't want to know the rest of what Biden himself has seen or heard or, or thought about. Um, but that is a, definitely a, a weird uh, pitch again, as I said, and one that's that's very out there as far as another. Um, yes, the government is here um, um, terrifying words. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. I know. I know the saying for anyone that's texting it in right now. Anyway, uh, one other quick thing uh, as far as the top five at five goes. And I know this is a bit of like a, a swing. Um, and I know that there are people that will feel all kinds of ways uh, if you're listening to the show about this. I'm not strong enough in what I'm saying. I'm naive. I don't understand it all. Or maybe I'm far right and crazy, uh, which is something I get texted a lot as well. Uh, Bronny James, the son of LeBron James, had a cardiac arrest while working out at USC. Uh, this has sparked a lot of social media speculation and a lot of articles online immediately shooting down said social media um, speculation, uh, saying that the far right is trying to change Bronny James's cardiac arrest into a conversation about the vaccine. I'll simply say this, and I was playing audio earlier uh, in the show with Mark Strauss uh, that was a Today Show piece from, I think, February or early March, uh, they talked about how COVID specifically, uh, but also the vaccine, uh, caused myocarditis, caused inflammation of the heart, and that they um, saw in these recent studies that those uh, instances of cardiac arrest or other things, especially with young people, especially young men, have certainly gone up 30% increase in the likelihood of any of this. And they point all to uh, COVID being the catalyst to uh, that change in our society. Uh, but every peer-reviewed study out there uh, says that the uh, COVID vaccine also causes a risk, a, a small one is what you're told, of myocarditis and other things uh, with the heart. So the simple question I want to ask and just keep asking it, and I don't think there's a definitive way for them to study this well, um, at least one that they've told us so far, is how likely were you to increase the risk of certain heart-related issues every time you interacted with COVID? And you could interact with that by getting it or by getting a vaccine for it. And I am not someone who's been shouting from the rooftops that I, I you know, am proud that I was anti-vaccine. I got three of the COVID shots. I also got COVID at least once, I think, maybe twice. I'm not sure. I don't remember if the second one was actually a positive test or just it seemed like I had COVID a second time. And so I do, again, wonder, and we have had enough high-profile names now uh, that fall into this camp, and I heard Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins talk about this earlier today, and I heard David Van Camp say that you had something like 100 athletes a year well before COVID uh, wind up with unique cardiac arrest um, situations. It actually is the leading cause of death of young athletes is, is a heart attack. So it's not 
completely shocking that this happens at all. And anyone that phrases the question now, this is not all things that Van Camp said. It's things I'm saying. Uh, not everyone who phrases the question or the, the statement that you've never seen this before is telling the truth. Uh, it just wasn't a lot of it before. It wasn't reported on as much in the news as it is now. Uh, but the simple question out there, which seems to be one that gets quickly shot down without any information proving that it's untrue and also quickly propped up without enough proof to say that it's definitely what's going on, is that it may be possible uh, that getting COVID and getting vaccines for COVID uh, caused a higher likelihood for more people, especially young people, to have more heart-related issues. Because the one thing that is not up for debate, the one thing that is not, you know, a, a unconfirmed fact, and this is according to the Today Show, so feel how you will about the things they tell you and the slant that they provide on stuff, is that there's been a 30% increase in death uh, via heart attack of young men, young people. Uh, it's been shocking and surprising to first responders, and they spoke to some in different parts of the country who are showing up to certain scenes and seeing someone their age uh, that is going through something that you didn't see as often. So that part is true, uh, no matter what the cause is for it. Uh, when someone says that things have gotten worse in the world of heart health and young people, uh, that is not a, a, a political fact. That's not a one side of the aisle a version of a conversation. And it, whether it's DeMar Hamlin or now Bronny James or whoever else it is after, uh, if you keep seeing these stories and keep resoundingly rejecting and or propping up uh, the quote unquote conspiracy theory of vaccines plus uh, heart illness, I think we don't get any further down the, down the road, down the uh, line in actually knowing what the heck is going on. Because uh, something is definitely happening. Uh, that part should not be debated. And maybe I'll play that um, Today Show audio again uh, toward the end of the show just to demonstrate to the skeptics out there that this is something that is not being contested as a simple fact. Uh, and so the, the question is, why? Is it just COVID and what COVID causes uh, to the heart potentially or both COVID and the vaccine or just the vaccine, as I'm sure some people would also say? But all right, that's it. I don't have an answer to the question. I'm just lobbing it out there. It's the end of the top five at five. Quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I'm going to get to some sillier things in just a second, but one other story there's supposed to be on top five at five. So this is the extras just after the top five at five. A federal judge struck down uh, today a stringent new asylum policy that the Biden administration uh, put into effect. Uh, the Biden administration believed that this would cut down on the amount of people crossing into our country illegally. Essentially, what it said was, if you came into our country illegally, you couldn't uh, try to become uh, someone who gained asylum. into our By breaking the law, you lost your ability to go through the law uh, to get into our country in a legal way. That was essentially what they were trying to do, uh, which would cause a whole lot of people uh, to be incapable of declaring asylum. This was praised, actually, as a policy by a lot of those on the conservative side of the aisle on the right, uh, because it was very similar to some of the things that Trump had did, done, although when he did those, they were terrible things, and when Biden did them, they were fine and barely talked about. Uh, but a judge in California, uh, unsurprising that it's in California, uh, struck this down and said that it's not something that can go into effect. Uh, so the Biden administration takes another loss, another L, 
uh, in the world of the government or in the world of um, um, the judicial system. Uh, this L, though, winds up actually helping out people uh, who would disagree uh, with Biden's policy, which would be a lot of people on the current side of the aisle our president is on. I just thought it was interesting. Another top five at five story. And people do believe uh, this will cause things at the border to get worse, not better. Uh, not that I think a lot of people pay attention to what happens legally uh, in our country, but the after effect, the people getting uh, sent back to countries is the sort of thing that spreads and becomes a topic of conversation. And that will not occur. The Biden administration won't be able to do something that they were trying to do, not something that conservatives or, or um, anyone on the Republican side of the aisle uh, was trying to get done. This was a Biden move. Uh, other things out there, uh, sillier things or lighter things, uh, although this is uh, not necessarily silly, it's just interesting to me. A survey of 2,000 parents found that children between the ages of zero and six had unique like you were had unique concerns about your kids in that age, uh, your sleeping habits. Forty eight percent of parents said they were worried about that. Aggression. Forty six percent of parents said they were worried about that. And separation anxiety was forty four. A child's language behavior was forty three percent of parents. And then defiance was at 40. Some of these numbers are very high uh, compared to what they've been in the past. And then actually the most significant number uh, from this study about parents is that 44 percent feel unprepared to deal with any of the uh, issues or concerns they have about their kids greater than the amount of parents who felt prepared to deal with it, which is only 37 percent. Uh, the poll was conducted by the Goddard School. Uh, the survey asked parents about their concerns, behavioral, social, emotional, um, uh, academic and safety, all of the above. And so a lot of the concerns were more simplistic, more basic uh, than they've been in the past and more significant, uh, meaning parents feel like they're un incapable of figuring out how to teach or, or uh, you know, discipline their children correctly. That can't be a good thing for us to be in as a society. And I feel like other generations didn't have the struggle for unique reasons that I won't get in because I'm not a parent. So I'll go no further there. I saw a new study on loud quitters. Uh, those would be people who quit in a way that everybody knows about it, whether it's just saying on social media that you quit your job, uh, whether it's something happening in the office while you're quitting your job or even something you put up as a video or whatever it might be. And uh, this should be the least shocking thing that I say today. Uh, most experts, most people who uh, believe uh, to be, um, you know, uniquely um, informed in the world of the office place, say this is a bad idea for your career, for your profession, that it's not going to go well uh, for you if you put on social media or somehow your reputation is damaged by the way in which you resign. Because not many companies will look at that and be like, oh, yeah, it was totally all the company's fault. Uh, this person definitely didn't do anything wrong, and they deserve to go, go the way they did and act as, as – it's sort of like at the very end of any sort of conflict, uh, whether you're right or wrong, if you gain the most attention, you are more likely to be considered wrong than right because that type of employee would be a headache to work with day in and day out at a lot of places uh, that has that temptation to go uh, viral. And then one last quick thing, and then we'll throw it to Will, and he'll do some news. Uh, my wife will be on tomorrow for Betty's Word of the Day. Uh, but I saw a study that found that wearing indoor shoes or outdoor shoes, excuse me, inside is terrible. Uh, they did one of those black light things they do in like hotels and stuff. And they found the amount of bacteria you track in on your shoes that gets into your house is truly, truly disgusting and significant, uh, meaning that my wife was right and I was wrong yet again. Uh, indoor shoes need to be indoor and outdoor shoes need to be outdoor if you care about this study, uh, which I guess went viral on social media, which probably just made less people care. All right. Will's got the news. AM, it's 1470, FM, 100.3. But one of the best ways to listen is on the uh, um, app. 
You tell your smart speaker, play WMBD radio. Typically, it pulls it from our WMBD app. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Going to do good story, bad story in a second. That's where I prove to you that the world is a place that we're all happy to live in, that humanity is good, that uh, you can have faith in those around you. And I do the exact opposite because why not? It's the world we live in. I'm sorry. It's got to happen. Before I do that, though, I want to quickly touch on one other story out there in the news that I think is interesting. I think the New York Post is one of a few places that are reporting on this and not all the places. You're not hearing this story everywhere. Uh, Hunter Biden's art was sold for a lot of money. You remember this uh, right after there was an accusation uh, that Hunter Biden was a guy that was doing corrupt things as far as business deals go. And he was dealing on his dad's name and that his dad may or may not have been involved in it. If you ask somebody on one side of the political aisle, they tell you 100 percent. No way. Definitely didn't involve the current president. Uh, not that they want you to look any deeper into any of that information. And if you ask the other side, they tell you 100 percent it did happen and they didn't give us enough information to prove it. Uh, completely. uh, But I digress. That's not important here. Uh, $1.3 million was at least the amount of money raked in uh, during Hunter Biden selling his art. He is a novice in the world of art, so it doesn't really make sense to spend that kind of money on it. One of the people who spent big, uh, one of the buyers is a Democratic donor, quote, friend, uh, who also got an appointment, a prestigious commission uh, from the president. Shocking. Surprise, surprise. Uh, a uh, real estate investor and philanthropist out of Los Angeles um, that bought one of Hunter, Hunter's works, uh, which cited sale records uh, that were kept by an art dealer. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Nefali is her name. Um, and yeah, I probably got her last name wrong there. Uh, but she was appointed to the Commission for the Preservation of American Heritage Abroad in July of 2022, about eight months after Hunter's first art show, which took place in Hollywood. That is weird. That is strange. Uh, that seems like the kind of thing you might want to investigate. Uh, the um, press secretary, the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, was asked a question, although she had just said she was walking off. Uh, the podium today about this, that she didn't uh, turn around and answer. But I just thought it was kind of funny that it was thrown out there at the end after she's saying, I'm outie. I'm not taking any more questions from those people that seem like they want to ask things about art. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow. Please. Just one question about corruption in the world of art sale, uh, where you appoint somebody to a thing and you get millions of dollars, at least a million dollars. Tunner. I mean, that that is blatant to a lot of people as obviously uh, buying influence. And to others, I guess it's just something that is a nothing burger and doesn't matter. Uh, but it's just weird. It's just odd. And that's not the good story or the bad story. Uh, let's do those now. Uh, first, the good story. I like this one a lot. Uh, a woman in Washington named Ivy Jacobson got married uh, this month and had 15 important men in her life uh, walk her down the aisle. Uh, brothers, uncles, some old uh, sports coaches uh, that she said really had an impact on her. Even a cop that actually wound up arresting her dad, who was physically abusive to her and other members of their family. Uh, Because of that, she said she had a rough childhood, of course, and that one of the more powerful days for her as a teenager was seeing her father put in jail. So even that cop was one of 15 guys uh, that walked this woman down the aisle, uh, certainly an appreciation for uh, the way in which the men uh, impacted her life. And even this, my favorite part that went viral, uh, where uh, the person uh, that's marrying her uh, asked a simple question, and you hear a whole bunch of voices provide the answer to it. So I ask, who gives this woman to be married to this man? We, we do. do. 
We do. All of us, every single one of us, in some way, shape, or form, helped out in some capacity to make her the woman she is today. And she asked all of them uh, because, of course, her dad was not a good person in her life, would not be the one to do that, uh, to help out. So I just found that awesome uh, today. Uh, now let's do some bad stories. And I actually have a lot. I think all of these uh, will land in the world of bad story. So it just sort of feels like that kind of day where there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, the first one in China, uh, the job market apparently isn't very good. Um, so some people who are in their 20s are starting to be, quote, hired by their parents to do chores around the house. Uh, essentially, they're calling them full-time children. Uh, this person would get what is typically the minimum wage uh, per month in China, which is just $1,000 a month. But the families are paying their kids to do housework, cooking, uh, generally being on hand to help with anything necessary. And then they're allowing them to also live in their homes. Uh, even hashtags that have gone viral, full-time daughter and full-time son, uh, apparently are sharing this social media trend on social media platforms with the United States. Uh, and people are bragging about their setup, their situation, uh, because, again, they're struggling to find work in their country. Uh, so their parents are just hiring them to live at home and be kids. And a lot of people find this to be ridiculous, uh, myself certainly included. Uh, also, this story, and this guy is lucky to be alive, a man in India was trying to take a selfie at the top of a giant uh, river and, you know, a, a giant sort of waterfall to the river and fell in, uh, entirely in, uh, missed both the selfie and, I guess, the edge of the cliff, uh, wound up plunging into the river, having to be saved by authorities. Over 10 people uh, manned a rope uh, that pulled him out of the water. And again, he's alive. He survived. He splashed, he floated, and then he was rescued, all because he wanted to take a selfie and did not pay attention to any of his surrounding. In fact, there was a study in 2020 that found that people are, are taking risks, and actually some people are, are not having uh, the good story outcome at the end of this year where they're, they're dying uh, trying to, to take a specific photo of something on social media. So I, just, I guess the PSA uh, can be out there officially from the Craig Collins Show. The photo's not worth it. No matter what the photo is, no matter how risky the move is, it's not worth it. The, the likes don't matter. The, the comments aren't going to be important. Uh, don't take the photo. Don't go the road. Uh, but this guy, lucky to be alive, and it was in India, so uh, no helicopter, none of that um, accessible to them, those who saved him. Uh, just a big, giant rope, and then 10 people pulling you. I wonder what you say. You know, that was my first thought, actually. You fall into the water trying to take a dumb selfie, uh, people organize in the town, and it takes them a while to get you out of the water. Ten guys are hoisting you up out of the river for what sounds like a pretty long amount of time, and then they get you out of the water. And what is, what is the first thing you say to all these people that just saved your life after you did something dumb you shouldn't have done? You're like, man, okay, or do you just go back to trying to take the selfie again? Or do you say, my bad, I'm sorry, I apologize. I, I also imagine uh, the people are not that happy, even though they're thrilled they saved your life. I'm not thrilled they had to go down that road to do it. Uh, a couple other quick bad stories, at least uh, things that I find um, bad enough to, to be uh, mentionable, are both of these. And uh, there are two pieces of audio that I wanted to play. Uh, the first one is a flight attendant that I guess was on an Air Asia flight that decided to sing a song to everyone on board the flight because there was no on-flight entertainment. So he took it upon himself. Not exactly the best singer in the world. I don't know how many people wanted it to happen, uh, but it's something that went viral uh, as passengers did enjoy a flight and then a song, an Ed Sheeran uh, performance of Perfect from this, this guy. It's a certain level of bold you have to be 
to think that you're a valuable enough voice to just pick up the intercom and do it this way. And some of these go viral. Some of these are, are good. But I mean, even like acoustically, even the equipment you're working with isn't going to make you shine as much as you want. It's not going to be a voice audition sort of thing. So I find this bad. You might find this good. We'll see. Here, let's play it. I found a girl, a beautiful and sweet. I never knew you were the someone waiting for me. Uh. We were just kids when we fell in love, <laughs> not knowing what uh -huh. it was. Yeah, thanks, guys. I will not give okay. you this time. Uh -huh. It was weird. It's the acapella, too. Like, he's got no... If you're going to do this road, man, like, set up the whole uh, seat, pick up the guitar, strum everything, maybe hold down the button, get another flight attendant to hold down the intercom button for you. I, to me, this would be very awkward if in the middle of a flight, some flight attendant just sang a portion of a song into the overhead uh, thing and then just hung it up and went back about their day, uh, maybe even looking for praise as they were handing out the bottle of water or the cookies to people. Like, uh, what'd you think of that singing performance that I did a few minutes ago? To me, awkward, not fun, but that's just me. All right, I'll take a break. I'll play other audio after the break that I also find uh, pretty interesting. It's an app that I guess people were using, uh, especially if people went to Barbenheimer. Uh, that would be both the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer back-to-back, -back, which a lot of people did because uh, both money, both movies made a bunch of money at the box office. And there, I guess, is an app that helps you out with any sort of bathroom struggle you might have uh, that's going viral and someone describing the benefit of it. Uh, that coming up and more next, 1470s and AM, 100.3s and FM. This is The Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's Craig Collins' show. Uh, Barbenheimer did very well at the box office. I'll get to that in a second. First, uh, 1505 East Lake Avenue is the address for the uh, VFW in Peoria Heights, 1505 East Lake Avenue. 309-682-9875 uh, is the phone number, 309-682-9875. Why, why would you go? Why do you want to go? Well, it's Taco Tuesday. Uh, which is the first reason you should go, because their tacos are delicious. Uh, Betty calls them the best in town. Get them with corn tortillas. And actually, if you name drop me, you get a free one. Uh, it's a three-taco uh, deal on Taco Tuesday, but you get a fourth one if you say the Craig Collins Show sent you. Uh, there's also a drink, uh, the Craig Collins uh, drink, which is a, a vodka lemonade, uh, which uh, Eric, the quartermaster at the VFW, describes as the perfect summer drink. So that's available for you, too. And I think it's discounted uh, to like two or three bucks for what is not like well-level vodka. So that's certainly a valuable thing to check out. Uh, but also just the the community that they create there. Uh, they're going to be having a, a baby shower for the cooks making the tacos tonight uh, later on this week. I think actually this weekend on Saturday, uh, which is just a typical thing of the VFW. And they do a lot of philanthropic things in our community, and they use the money uh, that the bar makes beyond uh, supporting the bar itself to do a lot of that stuff. Buying a veteran a car when in need is just one example in a story we told in the show, uh, but they do a lot of things. And they're people that served in our military, uh, that fought for our country, that seem to still want to keep doing good, uh, which is amazing. And honestly, I think they inspire a lot of uh, people through uh, getting more of those stories out. But go check it out. Hang out at the bar, play pool, play the games and back, uh, enjoy the food and um, realize that any money you spend there is probably going to inevitably wind up at least beyond sustaining the bar, helping somebody in some way. All right. Uh, Barbenheimer was going to both the Barbie movie and the Oppenheimer film uh, going to both of those back-to-back uh, -back was a social media trend, and apparently it seemed to really benefit people as far as the box office goes. $162 million 
was the uh, box office number for the Barbie movie, uh, which outpaces the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I guess was uh, before it the biggest win this year. And then actually Oppenheimer had like an $80 million opening weekend. If you look at international box office, I think Barbie gets even crazier to 300 and something million dollars. And I know one of the reactions out there, I think um, um, Ben Shapiro was one of the people who had it, was that Barbie is a very man-hating a movie. Uh, other people are saying that's a ridiculous thing to feel uh, from a movie that has women running the show and everything is utopia. Then men take over and everything goes to crap. And then women get back in charge at the end and everything turns back into utopia. There's no reason to feel like that's anti-men in any way, shape or form. But I, I just don't care. I'm not going to get worked up about it. I'm probably not going to go see that movie. And I, I don't care if someone's ideology or political statements exist somewhere in a movie theater. It exists all over music. It exists a lot of places. Uh, so I'm just not as worked up as some uh, about it and about people who want to bring their kids. That's your decision. You go. You live your life. You want to see the Barbie movie. You don't want to see the Barbie movie. Uh, I don't care either way. But I did think it was interesting uh, that it all went viral and that both movies made a crap ton of money. And apparently even the hack of going to two movies back to back and how you go to the restroom during that time period has also gone viral. There is an app called Run P, and here's someone on social media talking about it and how it tells you when to go and how long you have until something gets interesting in the movie and then even tells you what you missed. It's a real app on the phone. I just saw it on my phone a second ago, uh, but here's the description. There's an app you can download on your phone called Run P. You just press a button when the movie starts, and then it will vibrate 30 seconds before you can make a run to the bathroom. <laughs> and when you come back, it will tell you what you missed during the boring part. It'll also tell you if there are scenes after the credits and if they're worth staying for. So that's an app that's been around for a while that apparently uh, did very well as well as far as downloads go because people were talking about it on social media when going back to back to two very different movies. Uh, I'm definitely going to at some point see Oppenheimer. It sounds fascinating. It has a lot more adult scenes than you expect it to have. I guess, for what the uh, subject matter is. Um, so that's a warning. It's also, I think, rated R. So I doubt a lot of people are taking their kids to it. And actually also the Barbie movie, which might be rated PG-13. Uh, people have been saying it's not a kid movie. So if you take your kids to it thinking it's a, a toy movie like some of the other ones or video game movie, uh, you're, they're going to be disappointed and you might be disappointed. Uh, so that's just something to put out there. Uh, other stuff uh, before the end of the show that I thought was kind of interesting 2,000 parents were surveyed and asked how they're going to save money uh, in back-to-school supplies uh, this year as we get closer to back-to-school. Um, obviously, everything is expensive, and everybody is trying to figure out how to save money. Uh, so some of the things mentioned were secondhand items, whether it's buying books that are used, uh, even anticipating extracurricular activities and what items you might need for those and getting them secondhand, even gadgets, tablets, smartphones, anything uh, the kids might need to go to school. Uh, finding ones that you can buy that are not the brand new stuff uh, is something that a lot of parents are doing. What I thought was interesting about this is when it mentions even like your backpack and reusing the one from last year. I don't remember a time period where I got like a new backpack every so I don't think that used to be a thing uh, where the back to school shopping and the excitement for school and all the ads everywhere wound up causing you to go buy stuff uh, that easily lasts more than a year. Lunch boxes, school supplies, all these things are mentioned as things that parents are trying to reuse this year to save money. And you got to text me, 309-340-4464. If you have kids, do you buy them a brand new set of all the stuff 
every year? Does it all get destroyed and ruined? What happens? I'm, I'm confused a bit. 309-340-4464 to help me out with that because I don't remember that. I remember only some supplies being purchased and some of them being kept for a while. So that's why the backpack decision was very important. It needed to be versatile enough to make it from, you know, when you're a young kid to you don't want the, the superhero backpack by the time you're getting later on in school if it lasted that long. And I think mine did. I think I just had like a regular blue backpack uh, that made it several years because I didn't destroy it at the end of the, the – I don't know what's happening here. But I'm, I'm glad if people are saving money that way. I'm confused how that's something that we weren't doing before. And then one last quick thing, which I thought was interesting. Uh, science has decided to break down when you should snack, how you should snack, uh, what co- sort of snacking is important. And what they said was is you shouldn't snack at night. Uh, you shouldn't uh, snack on unhealthy food. None of this is shocking. My favorite is they defined snacking people. You're a morning snacker, a midday snacker, a late night snacker, or you're a grazer who snacks pretty much all day long. Grazers and late night. Uh, you guys are the problems, apparently, or at least uh, snacking becomes more the problem for you and your waistline. So I am I'm easily one, if not both of those things, which apparently is bad. So so it's really not what you're eating. It's when you're eating it. That's most important, according to science. I feel like we've learned that before. All right. I got to get out of here. Will's got the news.